Hi everyone, today we had a wonderful conversation with Mark Dalton, owner and founder of Chic on the Cheap. Mark's a designer who built his business here locally in Sarasota and we talk about entrepreneurship and the way that he approaches design, cultivated the way he looks at design and how he builds his team and builds his business. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Mark Dalton. Welcome to the Preferred Shore Podcast. Here's your host, Robert Milligan. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. Well, I'm really excited about this conversation because you're an innovator and entrepreneur and in the field of design, of course. And, and we had our pal, Jill Geisdorf, who was on the podcast a while back. And she's absolutely wonderful. Um, of course, she works with you. So, uh, so I'm just looking forward to getting to know more about you, your business, and, and we'll just see where this conversation goes. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, maybe if we could start at the beginning, how she How it the, all started? Yeah, Sheik on the Cheap, where, how did it begin? What was it, the was, <laughs> it, it began on a fluke, actually. It was, um, I had been working in town for about 20 years in the high-end market, and when the whole crash started, uh, everything fell apart. I mean, everything, it just fell apart. But luckily, while I was in that market, I was able to amass some money. So my condo was paid for. I had a couple of rentals that were paid for. And right when the market started to collapse, a friend called me and said, hey, there's a house for sale in my neighborhood you need to go and look at. Mm -hmm. So I went and looked at the house. It's over in Ringling Park, over by Payne Park. And uh, I just fell in love with the house. I looked at it on a Friday. I made a deal on it on a Saturday, and the mortgage was approved on Monday. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. <laughs> None. Not, I didn't have the market was starting to collapse. My business was drying up. But something just said, do this. Mm -hmm. And I did it. And I borrowed against everything that I had. I borrowed against all the condos, and I put a down payment down on the house. And what I did was I was just finishing up a 32,000-square-foot house on 110 acres in suburban Atlanta. Wow. And he had used the principles of, like, there were... 28 or 29 bathrooms. He went to every marble yard in Atlanta and bought all the leftover marble they had. Hmm. He laid it all out on the property and said, I want all marble bathrooms. So I was just coming back from how you would really be financially thoughtful about what you were doing and how you were spending money. Mm -hmm. I mean, the house in Atlanta ended up 32,000 square feet at $5 million wow. on 110 acres. That's incredible. With a theater in the basement for 109 people. Wow. So I was just finishing that when the house came up and I thought, I'm going to set a budget. I'm going to set $50,000 to do this house and I'm going to do it right. I want to do the yard. I just want to go through it all. And I had lived in a condo since I'd been an adult, so I hadn't had a house. I did it in 30 days, actually 28 days. I spent $39,000. I moved into a completely finished house, including furniture, and the paper got wind of it. And the paper had came to me, Marsha Fotler, and she said, hey, we heard you're doing this transitional house in a transitional neighborhood, and could we do a story on it? And I said, sure. Mm -hmm. So they did a story on it, and when it came out, the article was titled, Chic on the Cheap. Hmm. I called the paper, and I said, do you own that name? She said, no, it's just the name of the article. I hung up the phone. I trademarked it. I had no idea what I was going to do, and it just all took off from there. Wow. That was in August. Uh, we started the company in March. 
I met Jill probably right around that time when her company um, was downsizing Atlanta and she moved back home. And we, in the beginning, when we first met each other, we were kind of butt heads a little bit because Jill and I can be the same person sometimes. So sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, there was a little bit of butting heads, but as we've worked together 10, 11 years, I think it is, um, we get along great. We know how to navigate each other. And the whole business just took off from that. Mm -hmm. At the same time when this was happening, ASID was doing a designer showcase. They heard about the house, too. So they included my house in the designer showcase, and it went from my house all the way up to a $10 million houses. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody wanted to come to see my house because they wanted to see what I was doing. At the time, the symphony was still doing those designer show houses that they were doing. I did the $1,500 guest room in that. It kind of all just fell into into line at once, hmm. which is kind of, I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. And I don't really plan anything or think about it. I just, like I said, I bought a house with no money mm -hmm. and it just all fell into place. Everything one right after another. Hmm. And it's solidified my thought of when you're on the right path, Everything just falls into place. Yeah. If you're on a path and you're being bucked and you're being bucked and you're being bucked, you might want to reconsider the path that you're on because that might not be the path that you should be on. Mm -hmm. And here we are all these years later and we have four, there's five of us great designers and we have a great reputation and mm -hmm. the company's growing and... I couldn't be happier. Yeah. How was that? Was that a five-second answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very well said. And um, as it relates to entrepreneurship, one of the, the first lessons that I learned, which is kind of silly, it took me longer than it should have to actually get it, is that you shouldn't try to sell what people aren't buying. Exactly. <laughs> and, and as you know, when you say that, that the path just kind of lined up for you, I mean, were, were people just, were they asking you for, for design help and business? I well, mean, how did that kind of... In the beginning, yeah. like I, I said that when we first started the company, I said to Joe, we have to, we have to make money on the consultations. So we were doing the $100 consultation. It's 150 now, but then we we're doing a $100 consultation. And all the other designers that, like at the SID meetings, I said, you're never going to make it because no one's going to pay in this market mm -hmm. for someone to come out to their house when we'll go out for free. But they did. They did pay for it because I think that people thought at the time that what they were getting for the $100 far, out, far outweighed somebody coming out for free. Sure. Because they were getting, we were making money, so we were, you know, you're were, you were getting value for the dollar. Right, right. And something that... Um, I come, my mother's from one of those old New England families that they had a lot of breeding, but not a pot to piss in, <laughs> so to speak. And my mother always drilled into my head manners. You know, mm -hmm. you always say, please, thank you. You send flowers, you write notes. So one of the things from the beginning is that everybody we meet, every consultation we go on, they all get an engraved handwritten thank you note from the designer, from the company, from mm -hmm. me whatever. And I think that at that time, as everything was falling apart, people saw value in what we were doing. And that the house was on a designer digs tour, that we did the symphony thing and people saw the 15, like in the apartment that we did the $1,500 guest room, there was 
the bedroom next to mine cost $15,000. The living room cost $40,000. The master bedroom cost $60,000. And here I am in the corner with a little $1,500 guest room. Mm -hmm. I think with all those things happening at once and the publicity generated from those things at once just put us on the path where people saw value. And at that time, whenever there's a lull in real estate, as you well know, that's when people buy more sure. because the people that truly have money and have money socked away, that's mm-hmm. when there's value. Right. So we started getting condo after condo in the older buildings like One Watergate. Mm-hmm. We did like maybe eight units in Beach Place hmm. because people were buying, you know, at that time, you could get a waterfront unit at Beach Place. And I mean direct, you're looking, there's the beach for $500,000. Right. And a lot of Canadians were coming down, and they were doing that at the time. Mm -hmm. So I think we were viable. Our idea, my idea was viable Mm -hmm. at the right time in the market, and it just took off from that. Fantastic. And so how are, how is your business structured today? It's like the, the $150 consultation is kind of a, a teaser. Right. It's in. kind of a teaser. You, you call, what we do is you call us out to mm-hmm. tell us what you need, what your problems are, what your concerns are. We ask if you have a list or you have the questions in your mind, mm-hmm. we'll answer all the questions for you. And then we send you a written report within 24 hours. At that point, you can either hire us to implement the things that you want to do, or you can do it on your own. And there's two ways that we go about it. We either charge $150 an hour and we do a $10 block, 10 hour blocks of time to mm-hmm. do that, or we charge a flat fee okay. for the whole scope of the project. Mm-hmm. There's never any markup on anything. We have arrangements with all of the people that we do business with that the client can pay everything directly from the wholesale blinds on up. We mm-hmm. just do that. Um, we never mark the contractor up, the wallpaper, the wallpaper hanger. We don't mark any of that up. We just charge you for us. Got it. And my thinking on that is, is that way you know that what you're paying for is what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You're not, I'm not pushing you in a direction to buy this couch because I'm making more money on this couch than that cube. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you exactly what you need and you're just paying me for my time. Yeah. And I'm not work plus it takes a lot of paperwork yeah. out of the day. And I'm spending more time I'm spending less time on paperwork and more time on your project. Yeah, that feels very authentic. And uh, we did kind of go over some of that with Jill and, of course, your two different personalities and, and people. I know with our realtors, there are some people that, you know, we may feel like, you know, some of our realtors might have a better match with personalities or that sort of thing. Is, how does it work with you and Jill and your other designers? Are, is there a certain type of customer that, that you feel like works better with you and another that works better with Jill or another designer? How do you, how do you think about that, if at all? You know, it's kind of interesting because I think that there's just organically people that come to both of us. Mm -hmm. I think there's cold calls that come into the business. Like all the calls come into the business to me and then I farm them out. So I listen to the people and what they're saying on the phone. And then I try to pair them up who I think. And sometimes I go by neighborhoods Mm -hmm. like Tori and Christy, they both live in Lakewood ranch. So it's easier for them to to go to that market out there than it is for Jill or I to go to that market out there. Mm -hmm. And then Jill has her complete own following. 
outgoing that comes. Mm -hmm. There's calls that will come into the business. Like if somebody definitely wants something mid-century, I give it to Jill. Mm -hmm. If there's something that's close to her neighborhood or something that's easy for her to get to, I give it to Jill. And then I just, like if people ask for me, um, that's how I go about it. Mm -hmm. And if it's something like if a call comes in and it's something like we got a call a while ago for a house in the Oaks mm -hmm. and I haven't done anything in the Oaks mm -hmm. and it's the very, Oaks very is very traditional. It's yes. A, it's a different genre. It <laughs> is a different yeah. genre. Mm -hmm. And what I learned about these people, these people, they basically flip houses every couple of years. They move into a house, they remodel it and they mm -hmm. flip it and they've been doing that for years. And they were very open to something different. Hmm. And something that people comment about consistently about the website is that it all looks different. All the projects look different. It's not the same formula, the same cookie mm -hmm. cutter over and over and over again. It's everything looks like you're doing, you're doing really what people want. Yeah. And people feel that in the design field, they're not getting what they want. They're getting what the designer wants. Mm -hmm. So that we're presenting a different, everything looks a little different. I got a little off track there. No, I tend to do that. So that's, a, the that's an important point though. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. The people in the Oaks, um, when we started with the ideas and what we wanted to do, um, they said flatly, this is completely out of our norm. It's completely out of what we would do, but we're going to let you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's been that way with anything I've shown them. And we're redoing the whole house. Um, and anything that I show them, she'll say, you know, I wouldn't do that, but I can see why you are. And another thing that's important for people to understand about designers that I don't know if they do or they don't, we're very much art artists, I feel. Mm -hmm. So what I tell people right up front, what I'm saying today might not be what I'm going to say tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Because as the project progresses and we take things down and walls move and things change, once that starts, once that, once that process starts, mm -hmm. I might change my mind about sure. where it's going to be or how it's going to go or how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, as a client, you have to be a little more fluid than having everything be black and white, sure. which is ironic because I'm kind of a black and white person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but but I, I like that analogy as an, as an artist because, you know, if you like a sculptor, you know, everything's, you know, just malleable and you don't know right. what it's going to be until it's done. And um, I mean, and that's a good segue into how how do you how did you cultivate your sense of design? I mean, I, I don't, if I recall, I don't think there's a tremendous uh, formal education None. in design. Or there's any. absolutely no formal education. So, in so design. How, how how did I? How did you cultivate my this? mother? Okay. So <laughs> while I was growing up, my mother built three houses. Um, mm -hmm. Custom built three houses where they found a lot. They got an architect. They drew up plans. She did it, and she did it all herself. I mean, in that in that time period in the early '60s, you know, that was when. That was just a great way of life. My father was an executive, and it's, 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 we weren't rich by any means, but we lived a nice life. So being a young child, uh, she built her first house in 61, so I was 
day 966. I was four years old. Mm -hmm. And I would be with her through okay. all of that. Mm -hmm. And she built that house twice mm -hmm. in two different states. So she would take me with her when she was picking everything out and doing everything and dealing with the builder. And I got the bug from mm -hmm. her doing that because not only was she building a house, but she was spending a lot of her time driving around and looking at houses, right. driving through neighborhoods, seeing what she wanted. And this was at the beginning of the raised ranch craze. Mm -hmm. And she built the first one in the whole neighborhood that they built. It was a brand new concept. It was a brand new idea. When they, when they brought it to her, when a builder brought, when an architect brought it to her, she loved it and she built it. And to this day, my mother's 86 years old. When I'm home, we still drive around, most, spend most oh. of the time driving around and looking at houses. Oh, that's fun. And I think that I just have a natural talent for it. I don't mm -hmm. really have to think about it. I think about it all the time, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily have to think, does this color and this go together? Uh, there's something in my brain that just... Like a sixth sense that you just exactly. know if it works or not. <laughs> but mm -hmm. on the other hand, though, mm -hmm. I changed my mind about clothes three times before I walked out of the house. <laughs> I lay it out, I change my mind. I lay it out, I change my mind. I lay it out, and then I get dressed. Oh, that's funny. So, um, so you know, and, and as you're each each of you are artists, you and, and all of your designers, um, and, and that artistic vantage point, you know, changes or, or the focus changes all the time. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that for mid-century, you kind of, it sounds like you favor Jill. Is there a certain genre that, that you're most excited about that you naturally gyrate towards or what i gyrates towards throwing all of it together okay so i am a traditionalist mm -hmm. uh, at heart i'm a traditionalist but i love color mm -hmm. so the whole inside of my house is painted burnt orange okay and when i tell people that they're like really in florida <laughs> but the whole back of our house is glass Mm -hmm. So my feeling is with dark color is that once you live here for a while, I've been here for 36 years, I'm not complaining about the sunshine, but every day it's a lot. Mm -hmm. So when I go home at the end of the day, I want a blanket. Mm -hmm. I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel cozy. So I like dark colors and I like color. Mm -hmm. So people that come to me know that they're going to get color. Mm -hmm. um, I use a lot of black. I use black as black has always been my neutral okay. um, because black and I tell people this, you see right through it. Hmm. You don't see right through any other color, but when you put up black, you just see right through it. It just goes away. It's like mm -hmm. a pool cage is my best analogy. Mm -hmm. Drive through a subdivision and look at the pool cages. Do you use your eyes stop at the white one and go through the black one? And they'll mm -hmm. come back a couple of days later and say, you know, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's true. Never it is true. So like in our house, we have a mix of um, mid-century, like the dining room table base is traditional McGuire rattan with a glass top. The host and hostess chairs are pottery barn that I recovered in a funky bright yellow. Two of the chairs are Dutch colonial, heavy carved mahogany with rattan mm -hmm. seats. The other two chairs are Lucette Ikea, $89. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I like throwing all that stuff together, and I like doing the same for clients. So mm -hmm. there's not really one um, period or one idea 
that I like better than the other. You can always throw in a little bit of Asian here or there. That goes with mm -hmm. everything. But everybody gets a little bit of orange because orange is my <laughs> that's your it's your my thing. <laughs> it's my color. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that's interesting about the black. What? How would you use the black? I mean, are, are, do you put it on ceilings sometimes? I mean, where? Well, like the house yeah. in the Oaks, um, we're painting everything white. Mm -hmm. We're painting their bedroom a taupe color, but all the doors in their house, all the important doors. Mm -hmm. So not the secondary doors like the closet doors or things that you want to go away. I'm painting all those the wall color. Mm -hmm. All the doors are going to be black. Hmm. Interesting. So that it's, you know, like you can say, well, it's the third black door on the right or it's the mm -hmm. powder rooms, that black door or any there. I just like the way that that looks. It's a very mm -hmm. sophisticated look. Um, I like black furniture. I mm -hmm. like black accent pieces. In our house, all of our doors are black. Yeah. So, you know, people say orange and black. Does it look like a pumpkin? It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it all depends on, you know, the floor. Our floors are wire brush white oak. Mm -hmm. So it all depends on what you put with the things to make them look right. Interesting. So, um, have, and I've noticed before some historic homes around New Orleans um, the, that they'll actually paint the trim black, black. Or, you know, crown molding black. Have yes. you ever dabbled in, in yes. any of that kind of stuff? Yes, <laughs> I have. Yeah. I have mm -hmm. dabbled in painting, uh, painting, excuse me, crown yeah. molding black mm -hmm. and doing black slings. Uh, our office is all black. Is it's, that right? Yes. It's, the whole back of it is windows looking out into the backyard. The floor is, the house is built in 52, so it's that broken quarry tile, how they used to break it and put it down on the patios. Mm -hmm. It's original to the house. Uh, the room and the ceiling is all tongue and groove, and I painted it all black. Hmm. Interesting. Glass desk. Mm -hmm. So it's very um, calming. Mm -hmm. And then in the corner, I have a bright orange Ikea chair that it, it, it all just work somehow yeah yeah um i can kind of relate our, our master bedrooms like a chocolate brown and yeah. that's another color that people would say like really but um but it's very comfortable and calming when you're in there so it is yeah it's i like with all the sunshine that we have outside and how bright it always is in florida i like the idea of like I said, coming into the house and having it be like a blanket that envelops mm -hmm. you. Because mm -hmm. your home is your sanctuary. This is something I try to impart in all of our clients. It's your sanctuary. It needs to be your protection from the world. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm going to go off a little bit into a different, uh, a different tangent, but I think that with everything that's going on in the world right now, with the political climate and the COVID and everything that's happening in the world, I think people in Sarasota that I notice clients, mm -hmm. they're not buying so much for investments as mm -hmm. they were before. Agreed. Where like people would buy and they were always thinking in design, mm -hmm. okay, how's this, gonna, how's this gonna fit into resale? How's this gonna be in five years? How's this gonna be in 10 Agreed. years? I think people are truly buying for themselves yeah. and they're making it what they want it to be, mm -hmm. whether it's going to match the comparables in the neighborhood or whether it's going to be uh, in or out. And that's something that people haven't done before. Mm -hmm. I think people are putting their money in other places, but they're at the point right now that they really want the comfort. Mm -hmm. of their home and many pieces people as you well know they're downsizing from multiple houses mm -hmm. to only one or two houses true and the one house is the main house is in sarasota generally yeah yeah that's very observant and i completely agree 
And um, the one statement that I heard there is that they're they're buying for what they want it to be. Exactly. And then, of course, you know, they're hiring you to help them get what they want. And and so where I'm going with this might be a tricky tricky question to answer. But you know, a lot of designers possibly um, have some ego associated with you know they want to put their thumbprint on the project. They want to do it their way, as you mentioned. Is is there a way that you help people tease out what it is that they actually want? Because you know, I'm I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, you know. As, as on the real estate side of the equation, you know, people tell us what they want and it turns out, you know, Not to be, to be altogether different from what they actually buy. So is there a way, how do you figure out what somebody actually wants? You, you have to pay attention to what they're not telling you mm -hmm. because what they are telling you is generally something completely different than what they really are. Like if somebody is telling you that they want something very avant-garde and okay, that's what I, this is what I want and these are the colors I'm looking for. And then they come out and they're dressed very traditionally. Hmm. And their outfit is very traditional and their, and their jewelry and their hair and everything. Well, that really tells you who they are. Mm -hmm. I really like to look in people's closets mm -hmm. because your closet, you might say that you like purple, but if you don't have any purple in your closet, you don't really like purple. Yeah. So you have to, it, being an interior designer is being, you, and I say this to Jill and I talk about this all the time, you have to be a psychiatrist mm -hmm. because you have to be looking for things that they're not telling you. Right. Because the things that they're not telling you are the truth. Yeah. It's like somebody, Amanda and I were talking on, on one of the other designers about something we went to in an initial, long, long time ago in the sanctuary at the beginning of, it was last Christmas. And we're talking and talking and talking and two or three times the husband said, no, I want you to know that I'm not going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, that's a key indicator. <laughs> exactly. So about three, you know, three sentences yeah. later, I said, said he said well what do you think and I said well I think that you are going to be a pain in the ass yeah and he said well I told you that I'm not going to be and I said no what you told me was that you are going to be mm -hmm. and his wife started laughing mm -hmm. so I hit it you yeah. have to pay attention to the things that people aren't saying because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily mm -hmm. and I don't think they're doing it maliciously I just don't think that people really know how to verbalize mm -hmm. what they really want because they've never really thought about yeah. it. They're just kind of going along on their path, whatever their path is, yeah. and they're not really thinking about it, but do I love this or yeah. do I not love it? And you know, I, I was talking to a client this morning and I was asking her about a dining room table and I said, on a one to 10, how much do you love this? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I wouldn't throw myself on a sword over it. And I said, then <laughs> it's not the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's your house and it's mm -hmm. got, you don't have to love every single piece that's in your house, sure. but the dining room table is an important piece. Yeah. You have to love it. Yeah. That's, that's very, is that a good answer? That was a fantastic answer. And I'm, and, and I can relate. It's funny because um, I had a realtor with a difficult customer I got involved in to just kind of help smooth, smooth some things over. And, um, and he basically um, said that, you know, I'm a really nice guy and I'm not trying to hurt anybody. And that, oh, he, bingo. Said that he said that, <laughs> Three or four times, and, and I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, yes. if, if this is the message I keep getting, I'm just waiting for the, for the hook. Because so. it's going to come. It's yeah. like, you know, I tell, the, uh, I tell, I call them the kids. I tell all the kids at the firm that, you know, if somebody's saying something to you or they're yelling at you or they're being a little mean to you about something that you're supposedly doing, it's really probably not what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's what they're doing. Yeah. And they're just projecting it onto you. Right, right. 
So, um, you know, I've, I've loved the discussion about design. I think that's absolutely fascinating and, and your tips for getting good information out of people because it's a very um, touchy thing to, to try to it's get like people It's like walking a tightrope. Yeah, it yes, really because is. you can only, you, you, there's that line between being completely upfront and you don't want to hurt their feelings. Mm -hmm. I, I tell people two things when I first meet them. You're either going to love me or you hate me. Either you like, I'm, I'm a little politically incorrect and I like to swear and it, it, I, I, just, I just am who I am. You're either going to like that or you're not going to like that sure. about, about dealing with me. Yeah. And the other thing that I was going to say just flew out of my head. Okay, <laughs> next question. Yeah, well, you know. Um, oh, oh. Yes. Just because I said that's what I wanted at the beginning doesn't mean that that's how it's going to end up. Got it. Those are the two things. So be prepared yeah. for those things to be, let it, like a word you always use that I like is fluid. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, aside from the creative part of the design, you're also a very talented entrepreneur. And, and that is also an evolutionary process. Whenever you start a business, it obviously goes different directions than the, than the original intent. And, right. you know, I'd, I'd love to maybe dive a little deeper into how you think about entrepreneurship, maybe what some of your core principles are, um, anything that comes to mind that, that you feel has aided you in, in building a successful business. Well, I think that the most important thing for me is to be upfront with people, mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad, to just be upfront with people and be honest about what the realities of the situation are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has helped me to build the business that I've built. Honestly, Robert, I, I just fly by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have a plan. I never have had a plan. I just kind of go in a gut direction. Like people will say to me, how did you start this? How did you do it? I just mm -hmm. did it. Mm -hmm. there, was no, there was no thought. There was no plan to it. It just all kind of, you have to be able to pay attention to the signs that the universe are giving you mm -hmm. and be able to act when you see that opening of something happening. Uh, buying the house is the perfect example. Right. No idea how I was going to pay for it. I took out an impossible mortgage on it, and at the time it was one of those mortgages that was adding interest to the loan yeah, yeah. every month. <laughs> so the amount that you owed was going up every yeah. month. And I knew that realistically and logically I shouldn't be doing that, mm -hmm. especially with the market getting ready to collapse and no money coming in. Mm -hmm. But inwardly, something was saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. And I did it. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it's that way with everything. It's that way with advertising. It's that way. I don't have any set plan. I just go this way for a little while. And then I come back and I go this way for a little while. And I'll wake up one morning and say, I need to be doing this. Or mm -hmm. we should do more Facebook. Or we should do more social media. Um, maybe we need to stop this print advertising and go to another. And it just kind of comes organically. Mm -hmm. I... I go to sleep like around 8 o'clock, probably at night. Every night I go to sleep at 8 o'clock. And I probably wake up at 2. Is that right? Wow. And then I'm up. Wow. So I might lay in bed till like 3 o'clock in the morning. But I get up. I'm answering my emails. And I like that time of the day because nobody's bothering me. Mm -hmm. um, 
My husband's still sleeping. The dog don't knock it out of bed till he gets out of bed. So it's quiet in the house. Mm -hmm. The phone's not ringing. I can actually read the emails and answer them. And then in the morning, I either, after he goes to work, I either walk or I go to the gym. I think there's, I, I need to have always some sort of a plan about what, how the day is going to go. Mm -hmm. So that when I start my day working and meeting with people, all of the paperwork and all of that stuff is out of the way yeah. i think you need to have the time to yourself and to do those things accomplish those things and then probably four or five ish i'm done mm -hmm. i don't answer any more emails after that time sure. i don't talk to anybody i might text a little bit but i try to be done mm -hmm. and that that's how i run my life yeah well you know what i what i heard um relative to the entrepreneurship is that you know despite not having a plan sounds like you made a decision early on that no matter what happens you're going to be kind to your customers kind to your team just kind to people in general is that is that a fair thing yes to say? and yeah. you know the the being kind to the um to the team and everything when i was first starting the chic on the cheap thing and i would go to the asid meetings the the people the other designers were not very nice mm -hmm. they said very mean things mm -hmm. to me like what do you know the name of your company has the word cheap in it <laughs> and I decided at that point that I was not going to be that way with anybody that worked with me mm -hmm. I was going to go overboard in the other direction mm -hmm. because I think that we live in a town where people in our industry don't play well together mm -hmm. because everybody thinks someone else is trying to take that dollar away from them. And right. I think that's the wrong way of working at it. I think that we should all be working together for a joint cause. And there's enough business in this town for everybody. Agreed. We don't need to be mean about it. We don't mm -hmm. need to be backstabby about it. Years ago, I was turned into the architecture review board for some stupid little thing. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and the guy said to me, you know, Sarasota County is the number one county in Florida for interior designers, contractors, and real estate agents turning each other in. Is that right? And I was like, well, there, there you it's have it. Unsurprising, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, <then. laughs> it is. It is. It's very rare to find, you know, we've built a team where everybody trusts everybody and everybody gets along. We have good contractors. We have good real estate agents. And I think the key to all of that is being nice. Just, just mm -hmm. be nice to everybody. And if you put out in the world the way you want to be treated, granted, not everybody's going to do that, but 95% of the people will treat you that way. Sure, sure. So, you know, you're obviously keeping one eye on the ball of, of, of establishing value for your customers and, and giving them that value and that service. But as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you're also a, a team leader. You're a coach for your designers. Um, is there any ways that you think about leadership or team building, coaching, developing the talent that's in your organization? Do you have any principles that come to mind? I, I really don't. Again, it's a fly by the sea. I, I would like everybody to know that I'm there to answer any questions that they have like mm -hmm. like Jill is the perfect example Jill does when Jill is meeting with people and she's talking to them about their project and the fee that she's going to charge and how she goes about it mm 
She does not get back to them until her and I talk about it. Mm-hmm. And we go through all the scenarios. Or if you're having a problem with somebody, talk to me about it, and together we'll figure out a way. I can say these are these options, this is this option, you can go this way, you can go mm-hmm. that way. And the most important thing that I say to the whole team is don't be afraid to say no. Mm-hmm. If you're meeting with someone and you don't think that it's a good fit, at the end of the day, there's not enough money in the world that's going to make it a good fit. Sure. Don't be uh, – another thing that I like to impart on the team is don't work for money. Mm-hmm. We all need money to live, but don't work for money. Mm-hmm. Work for the work. Work yeah. for the art of what you're doing. Yeah. And as I get older and I read more about it, that's an entrepreneur kind of a, that's a, a mindset. Sure. That you're not working for money. Right. You're working for the work and for the enjoyment of the work and the money yeah. will just come. It's a very uh, millennial idea as well. You, you might be a little um, younger than your years. I, 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 am. <laughs> I am. Well, I'm an Aries, so I'm the trendsetter. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, you know that burnt orange color that's on houses all around town? Mm-hmm. I started that color. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I, I did that. I did that on one house I was doing down on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, the property appraiser's office said that that was the ugliest color that they had ever seen, and then <laughs> people and just started painting their houses that color. So that's funny. Yeah. So um, you know, another um, element of entrepreneurship, of course, is just is hiring people. And I've hired a lot of realtors. I've hired about I'd say now about twelve hundred realtors altogether in my my broker career. I've hired lots of support staff, admin, that sort of thing. And it's this. And and I have some very clear ideas of what I'm looking for when I'm adding to the team, hiring people. And and unfortunately, the only way you get those ideas is by having some bad relationships. Right. So um, so I'm curious if you have any um, principles or processes for hiring people, how you get a sense of if somebody's going to be a good fit in your culture or not, or any thoughts you have relative to that? We try to let them come to us. Like Mm -hmm. we try to let people come to us that have researched who we are and what we're about. And usually it's somebody that knows somebody, Mm -hmm. like somebody that knows somebody else or like Amanda just started with us at the beginning of the year. And Jill has a little group of designers that they all meet once a month and have coffee and talk about things. Mm -hmm. And Amanda was one of the designers and the business, the partner that she was in, that was she was getting ready to retire. So Jill had been kind of cultivating Amanda for a couple of years. Well, you should think about, you know, coming with us or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's generally how it happens. I generally don't look for people. Um, I wait for people to come to us. Mm-hmm. And then I start working with people myself. So that whoever's new that comes on board, um, I work with them for probably the first year or maybe longer, mm-hmm. and then they go out on their own. Mm-hmm. And I know within the first two or three weeks yeah, whether it's going to work out or yeah, it's not going to work out. That's a good process. And I'm not afraid to say it's mm-hmm. just not a good fit. Sure. You know, <laughs> people don't like that. But I, I, you know, if it's not going to be a good fit, at the end of the day, I sp- you spend most of your life working. Mm-hmm. especially in businesses like ours where it's not a nine to five, right? It's a 24 hour day job. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take time to yourself, you, as you well know, you've got to carve that you time do. out. Don't bother me. Leave right. me alone. I want to be with my kids. I right. want to, you have to carve it out with the rules. Absolutely. Otherwise it's a 24 hour a day job. And right. I'm not complaining about that, no. but, mm-hmm. but it is, mm-hmm. um, and I just lost the train of thought of where I was going with that. 
Well, that's okay, because um, you more than adequately covered okay. the, the right. intent of the Do question. Do I talk too much? <laughs> Not at all. Okay. That makes my job a lot easier. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, what, what I, to your point there, recognized, um, which the greatest life lesson that the recession taught me in 08, 09, is I, I was succeeding at a very high level and lost a lot of money after that period that I don't attribute to any, you know, poor decision making or any right. mistake of my own. And having gone through that, I, I just decided that, you know, if I make a nickel less by bracketing in my work hours and enjoying my family, being present with my my loved ones, my wife, my kids, my parents are here in town, um, that, that that's obviously what's most priceless in life. And that exactly. there's not a, any amount of money that that's worth, you know, sacrificing the way I did prior to that, where it was more like a 16, 20 hour a day type of a type right. of a schedule. And um, the irony was, is that as I took care, better care of myself and managed my own time better and just, you know, bracketed it into a normal work week and, and even really didn't do much on the weekends, I never um, suffered any any financial loss as a result of that. I think I actually got more productive, um, more revenue, and, and it's an intentional decision that you really have to make. Yes, you do, and mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on learning that lesson. I learned the same lesson that you did because you just reminded me that I tell all of the kids um, – don't make, don't talk at night. Mm-hmm. Don't do phone calls at night, yeah. and don't work on the weekends. Yeah. And anybody that has any client that has come back and said, "Well, any other designer will talk to me whenever I want to talk to them," and I'll say, "Well, why don't you look at it this way? Do you work on the weekends? Mm-hmm. Well, of course not. <laughs> well, then why should I? Right? Why should I work on my weekend?" Um, because that's when you can see me. Right. We need to come to some sort of agreement where we can work this together. Right. Because I can't work on my time off because then I'm not going to be as productive mm-hmm. as you would like me to be because I'm going to be pissed off at you. Right, right. Well, you know, our, our industry with the real estate sales is a little different, but I also coach my newer rookie agents, if you will, that, you know, you do have to pay the price to get your business established. Right. You know, so there will be a period of a few years. In where, the beginning. In the beginning. Where but at our point of it. Build the momentum. Yeah. You, yes. you really make a name for yourself. You build a track record. But then you can get smart and be strategic and yes. surround yourself with good people and kind of check out a little bit more and, and live more of a normal life. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things that, you know, bring, going back to drawing the right people to come in, we let the people come to us, is that there aren't, we have no set hours. Mm -hmm. So whatever the hours are that you want to work, you know, like a lot of people have kids, Joe has a son and Christy Mm -hmm. has two children. You can work your day around that. And if you do want to work at night, then that's your, that's, that's up to you if you want to do it. If you do want to work on the weekend and that's the way you need to work it because that was what works for you. There Mm -hmm. are no set hours. Mm -hmm. My, what I want people to realize though, is that you've got to carve out the time for your family. Because if you don't, people will just, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. Yeah, yeah. One, um, another question to a different topic kind of to to transition or pivot into that I think um, would be really fun to talk about is, uh, you know, and I I say this with the utmost of respect, as as a designer without a formal background, who, according to the other designers, had had the word cheap in your name, you know, starting out, how do you think about PR? Because you've done an exceptional job of getting... um, um, published in local newspapers, magazines. I mean, your, your business really took off as a result of all the PR that you received. And, you know, that's not an easy 
thing to accomplish? How, how do you think about, you know, getting featured in local publications and all this sort of stuff? Again, Robert, it just all happened organically. Like, when I did the designer showcase for the symphony, um, it was at the Summer House that year. Um, there was a man in town that was publishing a magazine out in Lakewood Ranch called Suncoast Living. And he came to the thing and he saw the $1,500 room and he hmm. pulled me aside and he said, would you like to write an article? And I said, sure. <laughs> and so I wrote an article and he came back to me and he said, uh, would you like to write one for uh, every month? Mm -hmm. And I did that every month for five years. Mm -hmm. So again, it just happened organically. And the reporter that did the story on the house, every time something would come up that we would do, I would call her and I would say, hey, would you like to do a story about this? Here's what we did. Here's the pictures. Here's the befores. Here's the afters. And um, that turned into something very lucrative. Um, the first person that designed the first website for us said when she was looking around at other design websites, most designers, all their websites are pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, you need to have before and afters on your website. Yeah. And the befores need to be train wrecks, car wrecks, because <laughs> that's what people want to see. Mm -hmm. How did it get from this to this? Mm -hmm. And if you do that and you can get that out and people will see that, your business will take off. Mm -hmm. I had never thought about that before because design websites are pretty pictures. Right. And that was very lucrative because people would see the befores and afters so much so that people still come to me and say, that is is not the same picture mm -hmm. that before and that after are two mm -hmm. complete no they are no that's exactly mm -hmm. what it is and uh, the rest of it it just kind of i don't know in the beginning we were doing ads in the observer and we were making fun of cake boss and little people big world and we were doing advertising that was making fun of that okay uh, the housewives we did a picture where every, we were all dressed up and everybody had gowns on and i had a black tuxedo on and it was making fun of the housewives <laughs> and making fun of cake boss and mm -hmm. all of that uniqueness mm -hmm. i think um people found refreshing at the mm -hmm. time. And I tried to make it so that it's a little bit different than what everybody else is doing. Yeah, kind of reminds me of a book I love by Seth Godin called The Purple Cow, how you know everybody else looks the same and, and, and you need to find that right. purple cow idea. And, right. and, it, and it sounds to me like most designers are, are trying to portray a very luxurious image. And, and you, to my knowledge, are, is, especially at the beginning, is it a new idea to, to try to you know, do design on, on a budget? Is that something that was kind of uncommon at that time? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes, mm -hmm. nobody was doing mm -hmm. it that way. And I, I um, credit the Atlanta client with setting me on that path because up mm -hmm. until I met him, that was what all my clients were, the same as every other designer in town. It was all just wealthy people. And when I met him, I, I ended up doing seven houses for him and he did them all in the same way. Mm -hmm. And these were like, um, so like when Chic on the Cheap started, um, Style Magazine did a story on one of the houses I did for him on St. Armand's. It was a $7 million house at the bottom of the market. Mm -hmm. And it had Chic on the Cheap plastered all over it. Yeah. So I think people saw that you could, you know, like the outdoor kitchen, we bought it at Costco. 
And then at that time, I was doing a house in the Lake Club for a Canadian couple, and they we bargain shopped everything. I mean, we bought all the flooring at Floor and Decor. Mm-hmm. They bought all of the plumbing fixtures at Costco Canada, and it just put it like I said. It all happened, and it just it all happened at once. And yeah. I just said, "There's something to this," yeah. and I just ran with it. And it's the same way with advertising. Mm-hmm. It's like right now we're in. You know, we've we've done a couple of magazines that are we're in a lot of pretty pictures. It's all the magazines are pretty pictures, and I said to Jill, "We need it, it, we need to stop doing that, and we need to do something else mm-hmm. because we don't want to be." Another pretty picture in a sea of pretty pictures. Right. We want to be something that's a little different. Mm-hmm. And it will go to another publication or I'll think about what's going on or who's going on in the market. Like, as you well know, um, you know, the huge influx of people that are moving here right now are in their early 50s. Mm-hmm. They're hipper. They're younger. Mm-hmm. They have a more casual vibe to them. Mm-hmm. They have money. Mm-hmm. Um, but they want something a little bit different. Yeah. So how do you go after those people? What publications are they reading? What are they looking at? What's hipper? What's going to be better? And The Observer, I, I just love The Observer. I yeah. mean, I think it's a great, because everybody reads it. Everybody, when you're waiting for a table, is reading The Observer. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those magazines, that mm-hmm. those newspapers, magazines, whatever, it goes to everybody's house. Mm-hmm. So... There's not any set pattern. It's just like today I might be doing this, and tomorrow I think, hmm. I'll wake up <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'll think, you know, today we should start doing something else. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, if we could a little, I'd like to also kind of commiserate about being an entrepreneur and running a business during this whole COVID-19 situation and all the um, random events going on in the world. I mean, we're sitting here today, and I can assume that, that you're still doing well. I mean, I'm, I'm as surprised as anybody, but, but we're setting records. The we market's are. on fire. We are yeah. doing the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like it's... Um, I think, as we talked about somewhat before, I think people are just tired of everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. And if they were thinking about retiring, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Let's just retire. Mm-hmm. Let's just move to Florida. Yeah. And I think that that's... And Sarasota holds a lot of cachet because it's not the... You know, if you go to Naples and you come to Sarasota, we're a bargain. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're, what we're offering, we're offering the same water, we're mm-hmm. offering the same views, um, and we're almost half the price of what some of the stuff is there. Right. So I think that we're always going to have a draw, but as we get, and we're very artistic, it's a very um, artistic community that's open to, you know, like, I, I'm a gay man living in Sarasota, Florida. I've never had a problem being gay. Mm-hmm. There's never been anybody that's had a problem with it. Actually, it's kind of revered because it's tied into that artistic community sure. kind of idea that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are just finally going to say, we're going to come, and we're going to make our houses exactly what we want them to make. We yeah. are like three weeks out on appointments. 
right yeah, now. That's fantastic. And I and see then, you. I see your Facebook posts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're adding realtors left and right. We are. Thank you. We're, we're hiring some great people, much with the same principle that, that you have, that we're just kind of waiting on the right ones to be attracted to, come in. to us. Yes. We have a very unique culture, and, and the people that are supposed to find us do. And exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I'm with you. Of course, we're doing really well. I can completely sympathize and relate with those who aren't because, you Me know, too. unfortunately, there are a lot of industries that are not faring nearly as well as the real estate world is right. here in Sarasota. And, um, you know, I, I suffered greatly during the Great Recession. And I, I did can too. remember that pain and stress and sleepless nights. And um, so, you know, for, for those that aren't doing as well, I can completely sympathize. And um, you know, I do too. Hopefully I, this I, turns I, around quickly. <laughs> I, I yeah. totally agree with you. But on the other side of that coin, I always think that when there is uh, something like this going on or there's a recession, that's the always a time for opportunity. It, it really is. It's a time mm -hmm. for anybody that has lost their job because we basically went down to nothing too. In a sense, mm -hmm. when all that happened, we lost our jobs. Sure. What are you going to do next? Right. It's the time for you to decide, okay, what do I really want to do? Yeah. And, you know, people ask me all the time, well, how did you get started? I just started. Mm-hmm. I just started it. Mm -hmm. Just find out whatever that passion is that you want to do and don't think about what the negatives are about it. Just do it. Yeah. Just go forward and do it. Yeah. Well, you know, my belief <clears throat> is that an entrepreneurial mindset when it changes the way that you think about money. It and, does. And, and I think that there's more commonalities between two entrepreneurs than there are versus any, any religion, any race, any sexuality that, you know, the, the way that you think about money and see the world, I think creates some, in some ways more of a bond than, than anything. Yes. And, um, I think that in times like these, it kind of really um, shines a spotlight on how important that personal development is. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, whenever times get tough, it's all the work that you did in advance to prepare for that, that really serves you. Um, whenever you do hit these, these sorts of rough patches and I'm, I'm a big personal development fan. Of course, I like Tony Robbins and a lot of the other gurus, Me too. but, um, but he, he says something. biographies. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. what do I want? What do I watch on TV? Uh, my husband's <laughs> sitting over there. Biographies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, across the board biographies. Absolutely. Because I like to see what they did and how they did it and if they were doing it on their own or if there was somebody that was directing them to mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's what I watch all the time. It, it's funny you mention that. That's really kind of how I got started as a very young man. I, I taught myself to speed read when I was about 12 years old and I just wanted to plow through all the books that I possibly could. And I started with biographies because I wanted to study um, other successful people's People. lives. And, and, I, and that's how I came to the conclusion that most of the people I, I read about that I'd like to pattern myself after their success, they were either in stocks or real estate or both. And, uh, right. and that's kind of what, what set my path. But what, um, what Tony Robbins says is it relates to, to times like this that I love is that it's the, it's the decisions you make, not the conditions you meet that, that change your destiny. And, exactly. You know, in these tough times, if you've done that work and prepared yourself and uh, even if, you know, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen in life. The, exactly. You know, adversity happens. People get sick. You, people go bankrupt. People get divorced. Thing, things happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. But if you, you know, if, if you come prepared and, and you recognize that you have the power to make a decision that's going to change everything, no matter what else is going on in the world, you know, I, I think that's a, a, a powerful place to I come from. So, I agree. <laughs> well, I, I clearly recognize that, that you have that capacity. And um, you, you know. too. I recognize <laughs> it too. 
<laughs> so, That's why we get along probably so well. Yeah, so um, to, you know, to switch to something a little bit lighter maybe and start winding up, you know, just a couple silly questions. If you have answers, great. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, but is there, is there any like simple, inexpensive design tip that comes to mind that anybody can typically do in their own home? That Paint. Paint. <laughs> Paint. Paint mm -hmm. is easy. It's the mm -hmm. easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. you could, because if you don't like it, all you have to do is paint it again. Mm -hmm. You don't need anybody to come in and do it. You don't need a contractor. You don't need a handyman. You just open up a can of paint and get a brush and paint the wall. Yeah. If you don't like it and it's the wrong color, go get another gallon of paint and paint over that. Yeah. It's the easiest, simplest, um, and it has the biggest impact. Color has a huge impact on your life. That is true. That's a great tip. Um, anything that you've purchased recently that uh, you, you love? Any books you've read that you care to share? Anything come to mind? That well, the <laughs> last book was Michelle Obama's. That okay. was that was, uh, and that really, um, I thought that that was a really, you, you know, the thing that I got out of that book the most, and it's something that I never thought about. She was talking about the neighborhood that they were brought up. She was brought up in, and that the biggest fear in the neighborhood was fire. Hmm. because they were living in, everybody was living in substandard housing that, you know, where there were a lot of tenants and nobody was really taking care of the property. Mm -hmm. And the biggest fear was fire because people were dying. I never thought about that before. Hmm. Um, so Michelle Obama was the last book that I read. Yeah. Any um, biographies, podcasts, anything that you've watched, movies, just curious if there's anything um, that you've loved. The, <laughs> Netflix. Everybody has Netflix. Mm -hmm. The last Netflix thing that we watched, and we watched it twice, was the astrologer from the 80s and 90s, the Puerto Rico astrologer. Mm. Um, the name of the Netflix thing is called Mucho Mucho Amor, huh. and his name was that. Walter Mercado. Okay. And it was. it's just very... It's a very interesting thing about how he started, how his life started, mm -hmm. and how it all um, how it all worked out, how it didn't work out, what the problems were, what the things were. He ended up selling his name and his trademark. Hmm. Mucho, watch it, mucho, yeah, mucho I'll more. Have to check it out. And then the one before that I watched was David Foster. Okay. That was another great. Hmm. That, that was another great. Um, biography was Excellent. david foster excellent, excellent and then for trash i watched <laughs> dynasty on netflix because it's just <laughs> yeah. trashy junky fun yeah yeah it's awesome. kind of like watching the kardashians yeah you know right. just fun just yeah, yeah stupid can't, yeah can't look away from it exactly <laughs> exactly you feel guilty for watching it but you can't look away from it <laughs> that's fun very good well um i'd love to kind of wind up here is there anything else you care to share before we let I, people know haven't how to i talked you? enough <laughs> Have well, I talked enough? If you're, if, I don't think I have anything else to say, If you're satisfied, Robert. I'm satisfied. I'm so satisfied. How, what's the best way for people to reach out to you and learn more about your service? And um, if you just go to the website, which is chicanthecheap.net, and uh, chic is spelled with a C and not an S, mm -hmm. um, or you just Google it. Um, you can Google Mark Dalton or Mark Dalton, Sarasota, Florida, or, or Jill Geisdorf, Sarasota, Florida, okay. and the company will come up. Um, we're on Facebook all the time, and um, that's the easiest way to get a hold of Fantastic. us. Fantastic. Well, I'd like to thank our audience for joining us today and taking some time out. And, of course, thank you, Mark, for joining us. And Thank you for asking me to come. Of course, and uh, we'll hopefully talk to you again before too long. All right, great. Thanks, Robert. Until I die.